kid, everybody be icy. Million dollar posse, yeah. always there to watch me. Y'all yeah. know what I wrestle with. I used to be reckless. Now I'm trying to tell y'all what the message is. Welcome, true believers, to Wrestle with Hope, a wrestling podcast with a Saturday morning sentiment and Sunday morning values. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova. My wrestling fandom covers the birth of Hulkamania, past the Monday Night Wars, and all the way to this modern era. Each episode, we talk about what's happening this week in wrestling. Then we talk about what's happening this week in wrestling history. And then we give the go-home signal with a Wrestle with Hope word for the week. And along the way, you'll catch a glimpse of what my wrestling past was like and why I still watch now. So let's dive right on into it, shall we? We've had a very busy week in the world of wrestling, so let's talk about what's happening this week in wrestling. You know, as always on Tuesdays, we kick things off with NWA Power. 605 on YouTube on the National Wrestling Alliance's YouTube channel. Guys, this has been so much fun to watch. If you haven't given NWA Power a chance yet and you're still listening to Wrestle With Hope, let me give you an opportunity to just get into NWA Power. It's an hour long. It's episodic. One episode jumps onto the next one, jumps onto the next one. They're already planning their first big NWA Power pay-per-view called Into the Fire. And uh, guys, it's just been such a blast to watch. So this week, we continue the saga of Tim Storm. Tim Storm, former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. He's the subject of the 10 Pounds of Gold documentary. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, it's also available on YouTube. But this has been just such a, um, a, a wild week in NWA power. So what you end up having was, at the start of their uh, power episode, Eddie Kingston who calls out the Dawsons. Okay, so Eddie Kingston and Homicide, they're a tag team. They're calling out the Dawsons. The Dawsons are these fraternal twin tag, is a fraternal twin tag team. Okay, so these brothers, they are, um, they literally just have kind of been wrecking havoc over the last couple of weeks. Huge, huge guys. They are such a throwback to me. They're such a throwback to classic WWF big man tag teams. I think of the natural disasters when I think of them. Like, imagine if Earthquake and Typhoon had just gotten rid of the gimmicks, right? And it was just, you know, John Tenta and Fred Ottman, okay? And you just had these two big men. They're a little bit, they're slightly more athletic, uh, the Dawsons are, than than, uh, Earthquake and Typhoon were. But nonetheless, these guys have been wrecking havoc. Eddie Kingston and Homicide they step out, they threaten them, and they want to challenge them to a match, okay? Because Eddie Kingston and Homicide, they've got a tag uh, tag title shot coming up. And they said, we're going to you know, put that aside for now because we want the Dawsons. The Dawsons come out, they cut a promo on Kingston and Homicide, and they say they'll fight anyone but those two. It was an amazing promo where they were like, no, we're big, we're bad, and we'll fight anybody. But we're not even going to give Kingston and Homicide the time of day. So... The Dawsons say, we'll fight anybody. Then, like in the next couple of segments, Tim Storm comes out to address his loss to Nick Aldis, who was the who is the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. He calls him a true champion's champion. He says that he lost, but he's got no regrets. And then it sounds like Tim Storm is about to give a, a, a retirement speech. And then Eli Drake interrupts him 
who, by the way, I love Eli Drake on this show. Eli Drake interrupts him, and he says that, you know, he sounds like he's about to quit, but everybody in the crowd here loves him, and he tells Storm the ride isn't over and that they're going to team up now. See, so in the last couple of weeks, Nick Aldis has come out, and he said, I mean, not, not Eli Drake has come out, and he has said that he wants to be a top contender for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And then on top of that, he says that he can also challenge for the National Heavyweight Championship, which is held by James Storm. And then he meets, he, he pulls Tim Storm into this, and he says, heck, man, we could even challenge for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. So basically, the story behind Eli Drake here is he wants some gold around his waist, and he's going to do anything he can to get to it. So now he befriends Tim Storm, and this is a cool thing. They're going to challenge the Dawsons later on at the end of the night for the main event. Nick Aldis comes out, comes out with Camille once again. Nick Aldis does an incredible world champion promo, and Camille once again says absolutely nothing. I'm loving this storyline as well. So in the main event of NWA Power last week, the Dawsons, they defeated Eli Drake and Tim Storm, basically all based on shenanigans, just because, you know, they... They did what they were supposed to do. They cut the ring off, they eliminated Eli Drake, and they they snagged the win on, on Tim Storm. And then they continue the beatdown on Tim Storm. And then at the end of the match, what happens? Homicide and Eddie Kingston, they come out and they make the save. This has just been classic, classic wrestling, guys. So good. You're not going to find five-star matches on NWA Power, but what you are going to find are five-star storylines. It's only been three weeks, and I'm already hooked, and I'm in. I can't wait to see how things shape up for the rest of this season. Guys, on Wednesday, October the 23rd, we had some amazing shows coming out of NXT and AEW. Just a couple of quick highlights. One of the things that stuck out with me on NXT, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair kicking things off. Oh, my goodness. The, listen, the women's division in NXT is second to none. It has been so exciting, and it has been, literally, it's been riveting to see all these storylines play out. They've got one championship, but they have all of these stories coming to a head. It's amazing. The WWE main roster, they have two championships, three championships, really, and um, and it almost seems like everybody kind of takes turns on the main roster. On NXT, man, they are all in with the women's division. So, what happened on NXT this week? Rhea Ripley defeated Bianca Belair. And here's what happened. Io Shirai interfered and attacked Ripley. Belair hit a spear, but Ripley kicked out at two. Then Candice LeRae evened up the odds and took out Shirai. Shirai. And Ripley was able to counter with a double chicken wing into a riptide to win the match. Rhea Ripley, I don't care what roster she's in. She needs to be the champ. She needs to be... If she's the one that's going to defeat Shayna Baszler... I'm all for it. If she's the one that's going to defect over to SmackDown or Raw and and win the championship there, I am all for it. I'm a huge, huge fan of Rhea Ripley, and she has just done an impressive, impressive job so far. Tyler Bate was shown in the audience over there at NXT, and then this was kind of cool because then we had an incredible, this was a stellar match between Matt Riddle and Cameron Grimes. If you have ever seen Cameron Grimes Man, this guy through and through is just is is a 
is a professional wrestler's professional wrestler because this guy gets it. He knows it. He knows what he's meant to do. He knows what his job is. And, and man, he does it with excellence. And, and he, held, he held his own against Matt Riddle. Riddle used Goldberg's jackhammer, by the way, during the match just to kind of tease the whole, tease the whole uh, um, Twitter feud that Riddle's got with, with Goldberg. He used the jackhammer. The crowd started chanting, Riddle, Riddle, like, you know, the Goldberg chant. Riddle won a competitive match with the bro Derek, bro. And after the match, Riddle tried to fist bump Grimes. And Grimes is such a jerk. I love him. But Grimes refused. Riddle then fist bumped Tyler Bate instead. And then when Tyler Bate tried to fist bump Grimes, Grimes shoved him. And then Bate responded with a sucker punch. I mean, but this was a great sucker punch. Literally points up in the sky. Cameron Grimes looks. And then Tyler Bate clocked him with the other hand. And it was just so good. So great. Um, Later on in the night, by the way, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox defeated Marina Schiffer and Jessamine Duke. By the way, Marina Schiffer. Shafir? It's the new Pete Dune done thing for me. All right. So they defeated Marina and Jessamine, okay? And uh, Knox won the match for her team with the shiniest wizard. By winning, Knox and Kai receive a shot at the Women's Tag Team Championship. That's right, the Kabuki Warriors. So you got Asuka and you got Kyrie Sane coming back to NXT this coming week, I believe, um, to defend against Knox and Kai. More on that, by the way, in just a little bit. The later on in the night, the North American Championship match uh, was the main event, but no, the main event was what happened afterwards. Okay, uh, so we had Roderick Strong defeating Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. I could say Dijakovic, but I can't say Marina Shafir, Shafir, Shafar, Shafar, Jafar. Don't know. Lee and Dijakovic took out Strong on the outside and tried to finish their match one on one. Lee then hit a spear bomb off the ropes onto Dijakovic, but Strong. Snuck in, hit a running kick to Lee's face, and won the match overall. But after the match, this is the beauty. After the match, Tommaso Ciampa interrupted the Undisputed Era celebration. Johnny Gargano showed up. Finn Balor shows up. So now you got a three-on-four situation, right? Ciampa is there. We got the odds even. And then Finn Balor immediately Pele kicks Johnny Gargano. Leaving Ciampa to get the beatdown by the Undisputed Era. And then Balor continued to attack Gargano at ringside, putting him through the security railing and spiking him on the floor. Guys, we got a Finn Balor heel turn. I mean, later on at WWE Backstage, they interviewed Finn Balor and they said, Finn, like, what's the deal? What's going on? And all Finn Balor had to say about his actions were, the prince is back. What? I mean, literally, I'm watching WWE backstage, and I see, I hear Finn Balor say those words. The Prince is back, obviously referring to his previous name, Prince Devitt, okay, and uh, when he was the leader of the Bullet Club. So now here's the question. Is Finn Balor undisputed? Is he part of the Undisputed Era? I don't think so. Is he he in with um, Tommaso Ciampa? No, I don't think so. I think we got a reuniting of Ciampa and Gargano as DIY. We've got Finn Balor on his own on, on, on some kind of heel turn. We've got the Undisputed Era running roughshod throughout the NXT. And what we've got here, guys, 
is the best wrestling show of the week. NXT by far. I mean, these storylines, I am, I am completely invested in them. I'm invested in the people, in the titles, in the matches. I mean, there is not one aspect of NXT right now that I don't feel like I have some kind of investment in. The North American Championship, I was there in person when the belt was inaugurated, when Adam Cole won it in the ladder match for the first time. The NXT Heavyweight Championship, I I mean, I'm torn because I'm a huge fan of Adam Cole, but at the same time, I'm also a huge fan of Tommaso Ciampa, and he never lost the belt to begin with. Man, I mean, this has just been just an incredible, incredible ride. If you've only got one show to watch, make it NXT. That's just my opinion. But I got to tell you, AEW pulled out all the stops, had a great show this past week. Same night, Wednesday night, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite opened up with a cold open on an AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament match. You had the Lucha Brothers defeating Private Party. Pentagon got the pin after a package pile driver top rope double stomp combination. The Lucha Bros move on to the finals of the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament. Later on, we had the AEW, we had another AEW Tag Team Tournament Championship match with SCU defeating the Dark Order. The Inner Circle made an appearance during the match by the way, walking through the audience way all the way up to the skybox. SCU took the match after a gory bomb slash knee to the face combination, and then SCU, they will move on to face the Lucha Brothers in the finals of the tournament this coming week. You got the Lucha Brothers versus SCU. It's going to be an incredible match. Who's the champs? Who are they going to be? Got a feeling it's going to be the Lucha Brothers. That's just me. Kenny Omega defeated Joey Janela. Omega pinned Janela after a one-winged eagle. I mean, eagle. One-winged angel. Where is my mouth today? Don't even know. Kenny Omega pinned Janelle after one-winged angel. Then Cody Rhodes tried to cut a promo and was interrupted with air horns by the inner circle. Rhodes threatened to come up to the skybox and fight Jericho, but Jericho taunted him about it being a four-on-one situation. And then Cody got back up in the form of Dustin Rhodes, MJF, and DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Jericho tried to lock himself and the inner circle in the skybox, but Cody wrapped MJF's scarf around his hand and punched through the window. The two teams then brawled throughout the arena concourse. I mean, we're talking about they fought through the Dippin' Dots, they they fought through merchandise, and the whole time (laughs) Jericho is holding up his ticket and he's saying, I got a ticket! I got a ticket! Like, Like, literally insinuating that he came as a fan. By the way, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion had to buy a ticket in order to get in to the building. I don't think so. I don't think so. But he had to buy a ticket in order to taunt Cody and get in his head. That's where my fan fiction comes into play to make sense of what AEW did there. Later on in the night, by the way, in the main event, Pac took on John Moxley to a time limit draw. After the match, Moxley hit the referee with a paradigm shift. Here's the cool thing about that time limit draw. When's the last time you saw one? Like, when's the last time you saw two wrestlers go at it and they literally could not get the best of either one of each other? And then they hit to the time limit. This was fantastic. This was old school. 
this was, you know, you had two great wrestlers who uh, lost nothing, lost nothing in this match, and uh, it was great. It was entertaining to see. Later on that week, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox on October the 25th, um, only a few highlights of this show that I wanted to kind of actually share. First off, Ms. TV started the show with Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and then the SmackDown members of the Crown Jewel teams. Okay, Team Hogan, Team Flair. Jimmy Hart was in the ring too, by the way. As they were kind of jawing back and forth at each other, by the way, Roman Reigns was actually the, the one who stood out to me with some, some of the most awesome lines towards uh, Baron Corbin. King Corbin, rather. So go back and, and check out those highlights. Roman Reigns actually had some personality and did a great job of expressing himself against King Corbin. Then Hogan made it the main event, by the way. He said, hey, I want to make a main event. We're going to make a main event match here. Let's give everybody a preview, a taste of what's going on. Three of my guys versus three of yours. Sami Zayn, who was there, by the way, standing with Shinsuke Nakamura, he said that he couldn't wrestle because he tweaked his neck. And so they added Cesaro to the mix. So that was later on in the night. They had themselves a main event six-man tag team match. Also, we got a recap of Seth Rollins burning down the Firefly Funhouse. And then we proceeded with a new segment of the Firefly Funhouse. Guys, you can't keep a good Funhouse down. Bray Wyatt presiding over Ramblin' Rabbit's funeral. Then Bray Wyatt kissed the deceased Ramblin' Rabbit and held him, by the way, with the heel glove. And magically, Ramblin' Rabbit's back to life again. Good as new, until Mercy the Buzzard immediately killed and ate Ramblin' Rabbit. Again, Ramblin' Rabbit has got more lives than Kenny. I'm just saying. We got a segment with Kane Velasquez and Rey Mysterio. They came out to the ring together. Rey talked about when Brock Lesnar attacked him and Dominic, and he said that the strength that Dominic showed left Rey with no doubt that Dominic is a Mysterio. He added that next Thursday, Brock's going to pay for what he did to Kane, who will leave him a scar on the other side of his face. Basically, they kind of recap the same thing that they did last week. He called for Brock Lesnar to come out, but instead, Lesnar and Paul Heyman, they appeared on the Titantron from somewhere backstage. Heyman said, in his usual tone, teasing a question about what Lesnar has been doing and to who. And then they brought out Lesnar. Then Lesnar revealed a beaten and bruised Dominic. Ray and Kane ran towards the back. And when they came back from commercial, Ray and Kane were with Dominic in the medical room, but Brock Lesnar ran in and attacked Kane with a trash can. Then he threw Ray into the wall and F5 Kane onto Dominic, knocking both of them onto the floor. After the commercial, Kane Velasquez cut a Spanish promo on Brock Lesnar, basically saying over and over again, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Now, here's the thing. That was all an interesting segment. I'm still not completely sold on what's going on. I like Kane and Ray together. I like them kind of forming forming a group together. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on Kane Velasquez getting a WWE title shot, but we'll have to just see what happens after the event this week. But the one thing that stuck out in me is Kane threatening to kill Brock Lesnar. Now, here's the thing. Scott Hall, Scott Hall always said this. He said, hey, yo, don't ever promise anything in the ring that you can't deliver. 
Meng. No, he didn't say Meng. But anyway, same same thing goes. Don't promise anything you can't deliver to the fans. So you know, Cain Velasquez is not actually going to kill Brock Lesnar. Uh, so maybe he just needed to tone that down just a little bit. But you saw the anger, you saw the fire, and um, I'm not going to see the match, but we'll hear about the results next week. In the main event of SmackDown, by the way, Roman Reigns, Chad Gable, and Ali, with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart in their corner, defeated King Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro with Ric Flair and Sami Zayn in the corner. Roman Reigns hit the Superman punch and the spear on Cesaro, then tagged in Ali, who pinned them with a 450 splash. Some raw results we skipped all the way over from the weekend into Raw, Monday night, October the 28th. The show opened with the return of Paige, who introduced the women's tag team champions, the Kabuki Warriors. The Warriors wouldn't let Paige talk. And then when they got into the ring, Asuka sprayed the green mist into Paige's eyes. Becky Lynch made the save by fighting off both Kabuki Warriors, leading directly into the first match, which was Becky Lynch defeating Kyrie Sane. Lynch won a very competitive match by submission with the Disarmor. Now, here's the thing. This is my suggestion slash prediction. I would suggest then that Paige go back and find another tag team to take on the Kabuki Warriors with. Now, it would just seem natural to me that maybe Paige go back to NXT and be in the corner of Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Let Paige join Team Kick, whether it's for that one match or for an entire program. I'm just loving the fact that we're getting an NXT, no, we're getting a WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match on NXT because it was always promised that the champions would defend on all brands, including NXT. So we're finally getting... NXT getting their due next week on NXT. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. Later on on Raw, we saw a false Count Anywhere match where Universal Champion Seth Rollins defeated Eric Rowan in a match that everybody was asking for. Um, I guess in order to warm up for a false Count Anywhere match, you really should have a false Count Anywhere match. Okay, so... Um, Eric Rowan was defeated by Seth Rollins via forklift. And uh, Seth Rollins stood tall, clearly helping Seth be prepared for what's going to happen at Crown Jewel. Later on, on Raw, you had the United States champion AJ Styles defeating Humberto Carrillo. I got career still is impressing me like crazy. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what this guy's future is going to be. Styles won by submission with the calf crusher. And then after the match, Styles pretended to shake Carrillo's hand, but didn't. So Carrillo punched him. And then Styles in the OC then attacked Carrillo until the Street Profits made the save. And then I turned off Raw because they told us what the show was going to close out with. Had no desire to see what was going to happen between Rusev and Lana and Bobby Lashley. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was this week in wrestling for me. If you're enjoying Wrestle With Hope, let me encourage you to make a donation to Ability Tree Florida and support their mission. Ability Tree Florida is a nonprofit organization that comes alongside families impacted by disability and provides rest, R-E-S-T. If you are interested in being a part of what we're doing, 
at Ability Tree Florida. Let me encourage you, check us out on Facebook at Ability Tree Florida. If you want to donate, go to donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope. You can donate at multiple levels and join one of your favorite wrestling groups. At $5, you join the Varsity Club. If you donate $10, you join the Legion of Doom. $40, and you're in the Heart Foundation, supporting one month of Ability Tree programming for a family. For $80, you are in the Dangerous Alliance, supporting two months for a family or two families for one month. A $100 donation joins you in the NWO, sponsoring a support group for moms or dads with children with special needs. At $400, you join the Four Horsemen, and you sponsor a Parents' Night Out respite program for one month. Now, if you click Other, that means you're going on your own. You're rogue, baby, and you are a free bird. Any way you do it, you can sign up, donorbox.org slash wrestlewithhope to donate to Ability Tree Florida, and we thank you for your support. We want to say a big thank you this week. We had an anonymous donor who is joining the NWO this month, sponsoring one support group for families of children with special needs. Your $100 donation was just too sweet. And so thank you very much. Let's talk about this week in wrestling history, shall we? Now, we got a little bit of a theme going, but before we get that theme going, I wanted to share with you guys. uh, Last week, we talked about Global Wrestling Federation, and we had something pop up this week. 1992, October the 23rd, Dallas, Texas, Black Bart and Johnny Mantell defeated the Ebony Experience. That's Harlem Heat, Stevie Ray, and Booker T to win the GWF Tag Team Championship. Jumping over to October the 25th, this is our theme, guys, for the rest of the episode. Halloween Havoc. You've heard me say that word a million times over. And Halloween Havoc is here upon us, guys. Over the last, uh, over the next um, couple of weeks, we're going to hit some of the highlights of Halloween Havoc. There are three or four specific Halloween Havoc highlights that I wanted to tackle this week. Some amazing cards that were just a lot of fun, especially to go through for the very first time. Do yourself a favor. Fire up the WWE Network if you've got it and check out as many Halloween Havoc cards as you can between now and October 31st, time to trick or treat. So here we go. We're going all the way back to 1992. On October the 25th was our 92 Halloween Havoc. Eric Watson, Van Hammer, they defeated Diamond Dallas Page and Vinny Vegas. The reason why I bring this up, Vinny Vegas is Kevin Nash, Diesel, Big Daddy Cool. Before he was any of those things, before he was NWO Too Sweet, Vinny Vegas was with Diamond Dallas Page, and uh, this was actually uh, Kevin Nash's like third uh, incarnation in WCW before he was Vinny Vegas. He was Oz. That's right. He was Oz, the great and powerful Oz. Because you know, nothing says threatening like uh, you know a guy in a hot air balloon. So he was the all-powerful Oz before that. Then he was also part of a uh, tag team called the Master Blasters. Can't remember what his name was and that was he master was he blaster not quite sure but here in this card he teamed up with diamond Dallas page as part of his diamond exchange as Vinny vegas another member by the way diamond Dallas page diamond exchange was scott hall known as the diamond stud i loved 
Both of those iterations of these guys, by the way, back in my in my uh, fantasy wrestling game days, the Diamond Stud and Vinny Vegas both were high rollers. See what I did there? All right. Uh, Big Van Vader, by the way, that night pinned Nikita Koloff in a no-disqualification match. Then we had the World Championship Wrestling slash National Wrestling Alliance Tag Team Champions, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. Those were two separate titles at the time, by the way, WCW and NWA Tag Team Championships. These guys were carrying all the gold. Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes fought Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and stunning Steve Austin, who was subbing for Terry Bam Bam Gordy, to a 30-minute time limit draw. Then we had the uh, WCW United States champion Rick Rude, ravishing Rick Rude, with Medusa in his corner. This was during the Dangerous Alliance days, defeating the NWA world heavyweight champion Masahiro Chono via disqualification. WCW world heavyweight champion Ron Simmons pinned the Barbarian with Cactus Jack in his corner in a title defense. And in the main event of Halloween Havoc, you had Sting defeating Jake the Snake Roberts in a spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal coal miners glove match. The main event was a spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match. Here's what happened. All these different match types were on this wheel. And in order to determine what match you were going to face, you would spin the wheel. You would spin the wheel to make the deal. And, I mean, there was, like, a ton of different matches on this wheel that we could have seen. I mean, obviously, you had the coal miners glove match. You had a first blood match. There was a Texas bull rope match. There was a spinner's choice match. An I quit match. A cage match was on this thing. And so you would just spin wild, round and round and round. And so whatever it landed on was the match that you were going to get. And, folks, the main event of Halloween Havoc 1992, coal miners glove match Unbelievable. Here's what ended up happening. Sting pinned Jake Roberts after hitting him with the coal miner's glove, which caused a snake that Roberts was holding to turn on him and bite him in the face. So there you have it, guys. Halloween Havoc 1992. On October the 26th, 1997, we had Halloween Havoc coming out of Las Vegas, Nevada. And this was, let me just tell you, there were two matches that stood out in this show. One for being really good, one for not being so good. The really good one was Rey Mysterio Jr. pinning WCW Cruiserweight Champion Eddie Guerrero in a mask versus title match to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Now, here's the thing. This is the WCW Cruiserweight match. This was, in 1997, this was, this was the match that put Cruiserweights truly on the map. It was a perfect 15 minutes. It's still unbelievably watchable. And if, if you end up, here's the thing, you'll be drawn into it like it's 1997. It holds up because it was so ahead of its time and arguably is still ahead of its time because it combined an insane, the insane timing of today's best spotlight matches with the pacing and pathos and in-ring Lucha Libre storytelling that only two legends born into the legacy with a lifetime of seasoning can create. This is easily, this one, this match here is probably in my top 10, if not my top five favorite matches of all time. It's, I, I don't, you don't even have to, if, if you watch it on the network, 
watch Rey Mysterio at the end of it, and he's talking into the camera, and he's about to cry because he's in pain, <laughs> probably, and because he also knows that he literally just painted a masterpiece with Eddie Guerrero. Um, I don't care what the rest of these guys have done the rest of their career or anything like that, but what they are doing, what they did in this match was just incredible. Now, the other match that night, Rowdy Roddy Piper defeated WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan in the main event of a pay-per-view in a steel cage non-title match. In the main event, Roddy Piper beat Hulk Hogan by submission with a sleeper hold. Randy Macho Man Savage interfered by climbing into the cage, and then he and Hulk Hogan beat down Roddy Piper following the match. And after the match, a fan even climbed into the cage and was beat up by Savage and Hogan. This was in that era where you had some incredible matches in WCW, and then then you had a lot. You had to really, really kind of deal with a lot of clunkers in order to get the one true gem. That one true gem that night, Rey Mysterio Jr. and Eddie Guerrero in Hollywood Havoc 97. In 1991, going way back, October the 27th, you had Halloween Havoc coming out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And in this, these are some of the highlights. <laughs> we could call them highlights. WCW, United States champion at the time, Sting, El Gigante, Rick and Scott Steiner in a four-man tag team, defeated Big Van Vader, Cactus Jack, Abdullah the Butcher, and the Diamond Stud. You remember him? Scott Hall in what was called a Chamber of Horrors match. Never again did we see something like this. The match starts out fine. It's an eight-man street fight. Then it rapidly becomes a train wreck of biblical proportions. Mask guys in caskets, a chair of torture, in quotes, that fills up literally three-quarters of the ring. It's an electric chair. Ghouls, a power switch that won't stay up, and then an, influ- an infamous refer... I camera. It's only the tip of the iceberg for this thing because eventually Rick Steiner tosses Abdul the Butcher into the chair while Cactus Jack, thinking Steiner is going in, flips the switch and electrocutes his partner. Fireworks go off, the lights dim, and the ring catches fire as the baby faces win in 12 minutes. Abdul the Butcher goes nuts. He's beating up Cactus Jack and the ghouls. And um, this is the Cactus Jack Abdul the Butcher era. And I ate this up. I loved those two. Those two were ridiculously scary. The stuff of nightmares. Chamber of Horrors match. Different nightmares. Different nightmares altogether. Later on in the night, Dustin Rhodes fought WCW television champion Steve Austin to a 15-minute time limit draw. Then the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship Tournament Finals. Before it was a Cruiserweight Championship, it was the Light Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Brian Pillman pinned Richard Morton. Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express? No, Richard Morton from the York Foundation. Because that mullet was all business to win the championship. Then the WCW Halloween Phantom, a masked wrestler, pinned the Z-Man, Tom Zink, the Phantom comes to the ring with, you know, classical music playing and it's just scary and, you know, all this kind of stuff, all this Halloween havoc, boo kind of stuff, right? He comes in and defeats Tom Zink, and we're supposed to wonder who's under this mask. Who is this guy? 
But when the Phantom hits the Rude Awakening for the pin, all the mystery is just gone. JR, later on in the night, throws it to Eric Bischoff, who's on the ramp interviewing Paul E. Dangerously, Paul Heyman, with Medusa. Remember, this is the Dangerous Alliance we're talking about. Dangerously rants about um, him losing his commentary gig on WCW, saying that he'll get even by eliminating Sting. And then Paulie introduces the WCW Phantom, who comes out, takes off the mask, and is revealed to be Ravishing Rick Rude. Then Ravishing Rick Rude gets on the mic and just starts verbally abusing Sting. I don't know why he just didn't come out and attack Sting during Sting's match, but anyway, he taught him a lesson by beating up the Z-Man. Then, the Enforcers, Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko, defeated Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip, the WCW Patriots, to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. This was a champion versus champion match, by the way, because Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip, they were the U.S. Tag Team Champions at the time. Later on, in the main event, Lex Luger defeated Ron Simmons in a two-out-of-three-falls match to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Jumping over to 1989, the first ever Halloween Havoc on October the 28th, NWA, NWA Tag Team Champions, the Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garden, they defeated the Dynamic Dudes. This is Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace with Jim Cornette. These guys would come to the ring riding their skateboards. Take that, Darby Allen, Showing everybody what incredible dudes they were. No, Dynamic Dudes. Later on, we had Doom, Ron Simmons, and Butch Reed under masks with Woman as their manager defeated Rick and Scott Steiner. Then we had the NWA United States champion Lex Luger pinning Brian Pillman. Flying Brian Pillman. The Road Warriors with Paul Elling, precious Paul Ellering, defeating Sid Vicious and Dangerous Dan Spivey with Teddy Long. They were the skyscrapers. Defeated them via disqualification. Dan Spivey. A local in my town, a big supporter of Ability Tree Florida. Thank you very much, Dan. And I love seeing Dan at the gym every once in a while. Yes, I go to the gym. Thank you. I love seeing Dan at the gym. He does some incredible work working with uh, folks that are going through substance abuse recovery. And he does that through physical education and training. And uh, Dan Spivey, man, one of, the, one of the greats, is awesome. I love running into him in town. In the main event of Halloween Havoc, we had the National Wrestling Alliance World's Heavyweight Champion, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Sting. Remember when Sting was a member of the Four Horsemen? With Ole Anderson in their corner, they defeated Terry Funk and the NWA television champion, the Great Muta, with Gary Hart and the Dragon Master in their corner. This was a Thunderdome match. And apparently the rules of Thunderdome dictated that Thunderdome could only be stopped at a referee's discretion or if a manager threw in the towel on behalf of his team. Ole vowed to never throw in the towel. And by the way, that cage was electrified. And so they were practically just, we were promised an electrocution on Halloween Havoc at some point. Funk and Hart did an interview with Gordon Soley where Funk misquoted Winston Churchill and vowed to fry Ric Flair. Later on in the match, by the way, they uh, caused Gary Hart to throw in the towel for his team. Ric Flair and Sting were victorious. And now, true believers, we get to the ultimate Halloween Havoc moment. Okay? 
So Halloween Havoc 1995 in Detroit, Michigan. We had a double main event. We had The Giant. So The Giant was the big show, okay? And this was his first actual um, real match, okay, Paul for Paul White, the big show. And uh, at first, for a while, he'd been terrorizing Hulk Hogan as the son of Andre, okay? And uh, at least it was implied that he was the son of of Andre, he had Andre's shirt from the Princess Bride, and you know he kept uh, wanting to seek revenge, and you know all this kind of stuff. And so, the first in the double main event was a um, monster truck challenge. So on the roof of the uh, of the arena is where they had a monster truck challenge featuring Hulk Hogan and his Hulk Hogan truck. And the giant in his the giant truck, and uh, they uh, they uh, went back and forth in this monster truck challenge. They got out of their trucks, they got into a fight, and during this fight, Hulk Hogan inadvertently pushes the giant over the building, and he murdered the giant. Okay, the giant was pushed over the building, and it was just it was somber, and Hogan was upset. And crying, but it, it didn't take long to realize that, oh no, he did not kill the giant. He only made the giant stronger because now the giant, who is a member of the Dungeon of Doom, by the way, remember the Dungeon of Doom? The Dungeon of Doom was this um, group of freaks, like literally a group of freaks that were banded together to uh, take down. Hulkamania. I believe their original name was the Alliance to End Hulkamania. You guys remember this? The Alliance to End Hulkamania. And it was led by the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. And Kevin Sullivan had John Tenta, who was Earthquake. But in WCW, he couldn't use the name Earthquake. And so he was literally everything. He, he was so many different names. Even at one point, he was just Big John Tenta and all this. And he he was, at this point, the shark. And so John Tenta was the shark in this. We also had Brutus Beefcake, who at the time was the Zodiac? Yeah, I think he was, yeah, he was the Zodiac in this iteration. And he was there against Hulk Hogan. We had Kamala... Um, we had, you know, just uh, just a number of different characters and like a like a revolving door of char- of characters, and then we had ultimately the giant was the one who came to destroy all of Hulkamania, and at the main event of Halloween Havoc 1995, the giant in his first match defeated the WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan by disqualification. And still won the WCW World Championship. In the main event, Hogan was disqualified after Jimmy Hart hit the referee with the WCW World Heavyweight Champion belt. Jimmy Hart then turned on Hogan and hit him with the title and joined the Dungeon of Doom. After the match, the Yeti came to the ring. Remember the Yeti, a big giant mummy? The Yeti came to the ring and assisted the Giant by putting Hulk Hogan in a double bear hug in what most people would say is the most awkward moment in pro wrestling. Literally, two Giants just crushing Hulk Hogan at the same time with a 
really fun looking bear hug. Then Randy Savage came to the ring to try and save Hulk Hogan, and so did Lex Luger. Lex Luger turned on Savage, Savage attacking him, and then put Hulk Hogan in the torture rack. Lex Luger joined the Dungeon of Doom. The Giant took the belt from the referee after the match and left with it. Jimmy Hart later revealed that he had a clause in the contract put in that said that the title could change hands on the disqualification. And then a week later on Nitro, the Giant was stripped of that title because the disqualification was due to Hart's interference. The title belt was vacated and later rewarded to the winner of the three-ring, 60-man battle royal known as World War III, which was won by Macho Man Randy Savage. But that, my friends, is a story for another time. What I love so much about Halloween Havoc, and, and believe me, there are so many more memories. I mean, we didn't even get to fake sting, the first fake sting. We're talking Barry Windham. We, we didn't get to so many other uh, incredible moments in Halloween Havoc, like Black Scorpion and all this amazing stuff. What I love about Halloween Havoc is this. It was an annual pay-per-view. It had a theme, but it wasn't tied down to this one theme. So it wasn't like, oh, it's Halloween Havoc time. It's time for a Hell in a Cell match. Nope, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like, uh, hey, you know, we're going to be a slave to the theme and always have to cater to that. That's not what happened here. What happened here is we played on one thing, on, on the, the, the eeriness, the scariness of like this Halloween time, right? And we, we played on fear so much so that our hero was always in peril. Our hero always had a villain that was way too much for him. But we knew that in Halloween Havoc, we would see the ultimate battle of good versus evil. Fear versus courage. And that's what brings us to this word of the week. The word of the week is fear. You know, I think it's important to understand that we can, we can always experience fear in a lot of different ways. I mean, we can have fear of the unknown. We can have fear of the known. We, we can have fear of what the outcome is going to be. We can have fear of, uh, you know, of, of an individual. We can have fear of an organization. We can have fear of the future. But the truth of it is, is that no matter what enemy we face when it comes to fear, fear isn't the weapon that we use against the opposition. I'm always comforted by the victory that is stated in Psalm 91, verse 5 through 8. It says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. It's important to understand that God is the weapon against fear. He didn't give us that spirit of fear. He didn't give it to us. He didn't, he didn't place that spirit in us. And so we can easily overcome fear by understanding that God presents the answer. You continue in Psalm 9, verse 14 through 16. It says this, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. 
He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. In this season, man, fear gets played on us a lot. It's all over TV. It's all over the movies. You know, it's almost like, you know, we want to get scared. We like getting scared for entertainment. But the fear that we face day in and day out, there's one thing that we need to know about that. There is a victory. And God's got that. I close out every episode with, remember, if God is for us, who can dare stand against us? That's not a, 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 you know, a, a motivational speech. It's the truth. It comes right out of God's word, meaning that we've got nothing that can step up against us. There is no weapon that can be formed against us because God always brings the victory. Fear. That's the word of the week right here on Wrestle With Hope. Connect with us. Please drop us a line at wrestlewithhope at gmail.com. Connect with us over at Instagram at Wrestle With Hope, also on Twitter and Facebook. Support Ability Tree Florida. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out donorbox.org slash Wrestle With Hope. Want to say a big thank you to Josiah Williams for his song, Number One Contender, as our theme song. Follow him at Jadeen Williams and at Wrestle and Flow. A big thank you to artist Greg Goslin for our artwork on our logo. Check him out on Instagram at Greg Goslin. Check out his brand new Wrestle with Hope Lucha art. You could drop that on a t-shirt. You could drop that on a mug. Follow him on Instagram. Once again, thank you guys very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Wrestle with Hope. This is Wayne Cordova signing off. And remember, if God is for you, who can dare stand against you? Until next week, then, this would be Gordon Soley saying so long from the Sunshine State.